Good everyone and welcome to another edition of Wrestling All-Star with Chris Bunterhog and Mr. Alex Free Williams. Alex, how are you today? I am fantastic. This is a rare day in recent history where our Australian wrestling podcast can talk about some Australian wrestling. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. We're actually going to be talking about two events that happened last Saturday. So I'm really, really excited for this. So we're going to be talking about the RCW We're Back Baby and the PWA Black Label Quarter Arms. Two very contrasting shows, in my opinion, not just in the appearance of the show visually, but very contrasting shows and very excited to talk about both. I should just state, we did mention it on our podcast last Thursday that um, Australian Wrestling was back. I did forget to mention on air that um, APW did their first show on July the 4th and Wrestle Rampage in LA did their first show on July 24th. So there was some Aussie wrestling of note last month as well. Yeah. So, yeah, do you want to just get stuck straight into the show? Yeah, uh, let's start a riot. Yes, a riot with one T. <laughs> yes, not a riot. So we go to the... RCW HQ in Adelaide, South Australia for RCW's We're Back Baby. Commentary is Luke Hazard and Sean Fuster with ring announcing by Andy Anderson. They have their opening video, then shots of the crowd, fans in attendance with limited social distancing and not a lot of masks being worn. I'm not 100% sure on the current restrictions in South Australia. How did you feel about seeing a live crowd back to wrestling? Um, I'm kind of 50-50 on it. Like, here I am not allowed to, like, take the dogs for a walk around the block without chucking on a mask. But these buggers are rubbing it in my face by going to wrestling shows and not having to wear a mask. But, you know, South Australia did really well, like, keeping the numbers down throughout all this. So if there isn't a natural need for them to wear masks, then go for it. We're not living in that state, so we ourselves have different uh, restrictions being enforced. But um, I suppose just from a um, fan perspective, I suppose it is nice to see some fans back. I'm sure they took all the precautions they were needed to from the, the state governments and all that. Yeah. My only big critique is that I just wish this show in general visually looked better. I just found the lighting to be just horrible and all that sort of stuff. Like, you've got a crowd in there and you can barely see them because the lighting's just horrible in there. Not exactly, um, I suppose, shot the nicest, is it? No. But you can go to the opposite extremes as well where we will talk about that later. Yeah, I suppose it's um, sort of what do you prefer. Yeah. So we go to the first match. It's a triple threat match, 20-minute time limit. Bill Redshaw versus Dean Brady versus Nick Armstrong. Uh, commentary states that Redshaw is undefeated. However, on a show we talked about earlier this year, he was pinned by Rocky Monero in an elimination eight-man tag team match at February's A Glutton for Punishment. Yeah, dumb. Uh, Aussie Ryback, as I like to call him. Yes, yes, he does have a very uh, similar look to uh, one Mr. Ryback. Yeah. About five minutes in, Brandon Black appears on the ring apron, who's not in this match, 
tries to remove the turnbuckle cover, but is chased off by Katie Trey from the locker room, which leads to a distracted Dean walking into Nick's cutter. Then Nick gets up and walks into a deadweight power slam by Bill, and Bill Redshaw gets a pin on Nick Armstrong after eight minutes. Half shocked about the result, but I don't think this match is worth talking about, to be honest. I hated a lot of the matches on this show, and this was one of them. Uh, We go on to the second match. It's a tag team match with 20-minute time limit. The Kings of Ruin, Mike Boomer and Zach Sabbath versus Jensen Hunt and Jonathan Corbidet with Kit Condor in their corner. So we are talking about on one of the previous shows how... Jonathan Corviday's weight is in liquid ounces. It says he was weighing 2,972 liquid ounces. Yeah, okay. It's different. It stands out. It works. It's also mentioned that um, Zach Sabbath has cut his hair short during quarantine for a uh, charity. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So raising some money for um, charity during the, the whole quarantine time. There's five minutes of good tag team wrestling, then it devolves into a cluster F. Local man, uh, Corviday and Sabbath. Burma runs in and attacks Corviday in full view of the ref, who just puts his arms up in the air as to say, it's not my fault. Corviday tags Hunt, who attacks Boomer and Sabbath. Corviday runs in and all four men are in the ring. Ref check, still doing nothing to enforce the tag rules. Hunt's got Sabbath in an airplane spin, and Boomer pushes Corviday in as Zach's legs, and Corviday spills to the outside as Zach escapes. Kings of Ruin hit their tag team finisher, that's Boomer elbow into a Sabbath clothesline, and Zach Sabbath pins Jensen Hunt after eight minutes. Post-match, there's a sign of respect with all men elbow bumping. This was an all right match, but yeah, tag team cluster F is a very good way to describe this. Third match, singles match, 15-minute time limit. It's Down Under versus Baron. Now, I know you didn't catch the last RCW event we talked about where I was talking about his strobe light entrance. This oh, entrance, yeah. bloody hell, mate. It is unwatchable. I do not have epilepsy, but I'm pretty sure I got close to getting it. Yeah, so full disclosure, this event's available for free on YouTube. Yeah, as soon as I seen him coming out, I paused the video and just fast-forwarded ahead. It wasn't much of a match worth talking about anyway. Pretty straight up and down. Yeah. Baron getting the win. I don't mind them having the more gimmicky, like, almost supernatural, like, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger-like, Jason Voorhees-like heel in Baron. I don't hate it. A lot of people will be disappointed because in this day and age, it's all about work rate and that. But quite frankly, I find characters like this to be quite refreshing. And I look forward to seeing what sort of story they end up telling with Baron in the future. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree there. Short little four-minute match. Baron gets the pin on Down Under. And, And he shouldn't be having... Like long matches either. This is exactly how you should book him. So from there, we go on to the fourth match. It's a singles match, 30-minute time limit, unofficially for the RCW Women's Championship. Yeah. I don't know. Just this show at this point is really just... It's just doing nothing for me at this point. 
it's just like a wrestling show for the sake of a wrestling show and nothing's being told at this point. Yeah, so this was the match they set up for their big March show, which um, didn't end up happening. So it's Tony Toro, who's in possession of the RCW Women's Championship, versus Mickey Fortune, the champion who's been out injured for 12 months after an ankle injury. Commentary states Toro has as much right to the RCW Women's Belt as those fans at ringside have to the replica belts they're holding. Like, this story was good. But, like, I didn't even feel like the fans cared. Well, we'll get there in a minute. So, Tony charges at Nikki near the corner halfway through the match, but she ducks and Tony knocks down the referee. Nikki gets the figure four on Tony and he taps, but the ref is down, so she releases. Tony grabs the belt and places it in the centre of the ring, goes to drive Nikki into it, but she reverses and Tony lands face first, then gets put in the figure four again. The ref awakens to see the belt near Tony, and the ref pushes it away as Tony is reaching for the ropes. Instead of grabbing the ropes right in front of him, he crawls around the ring to face the entranceway, is further away from the ropes, and ends up tapping. Mickey recaptures the championship after four minutes. Quick, Matt. Pretty much what it needed to be for the story. But, yeah, like I said... I'm not too sure how into it the fans were by the sounds of things for such a a long-term story that they were telling. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree. And for us watching a lot more, um, uh, say, PWA, for example, that we're going to discuss later where there is a lot more intergender wrestling, it's um weird to then see this. And the champion has the challenger submitting but the ref is down then wins because she drives him face first into the belt and makes him tap out after getting the figure four back on all in the space of under five minutes yeah it was like they were trying to squeeze down austin versus brett from a 25 minute classic into a four minute (laughs) match you know like yeah I think they probably could have done a bit better with a bit more time. I don't know. I just wasn't into this at all. And maybe a big portion of that is because I missed a fair chunk of the story here. But to me, like I said, it didn't sound like the crowd there was that into it either. Yeah, for, for the stakes it was given, I don't think they were as into it as a big championship match um, should be. There we go on to match number five. Singles match, 15-minute time limit. It is Katie Trey versus Brandon Black. About five minutes into the match, and Brandon Black is trying to remove the turnbuckle cover, but Dean Brady from the locker room appears on the ring apron and tries to retie the turnbuckle pad with the referee. The referee, seeing Brady on the apron, goes to throw him out. And now that the referee's on the floor, Brandon runs Katie into the exposed steel, and gets the pinfall victory after seven minutes. Post-match, Dean Brady returns to chase off Brandon Black, but Katie Trey is angry at Dean Brady. Yeah, yeah, this is, uh, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't in a good mood when I watched this show. I'm pretty sure I was in a good mood. Just um, most of these matches, and yeah, this one in particular, just felt like generic independent wrestling booking for me. So sixth match is 
a singles match 15-minute time limit, Havoc with Benjamin Rosenthal versus the Antivirus. About five minutes in, the Antivirus has an inside cradle, but Benjamin is up on the ring apron distracting the ref. The ref has to stop looking at the pin, walk around both men, and then yell at Benjamin to get off the ring apron. The Antivirus releases the inside cradle, but is caught by Havoc, and Havoc gets the pinfall victory on the Antivirus after five minutes. Um, Post-match, Benjamin's cutting a promo in the ring saying how no one has given Havoc a challenge, which made me think of Royce Chambers has pinned Havoc in a four-way match back in February at RCW Reanimated 15. Yeah, I actually remembered that too. Um, before we get to the next bit, though, I actually like Havoc. He's got a good look. He's believable in the ring. I like it. He's our old grizzled veterans sort of deal there. And uh, he's got, a, like I said, a good look. And, yeah, very believable in the ring. And I like where they're going with him for the time being. It's just another case of... um silly ref booking or the ref was our position. So yeah. then we go into the second half of the post-match and somebody's making their return to RCW. An Australian wrestling legend, it is Adam Brooks. I um, unfortunately had this spoiled for me on Twitter, but I should have known better. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Brooksy looked a bit... Looked a bit beefed up here, I thought. <laughs> looks looks like he's packed on a few kilos of pure muscle. He looked a bit bigger. Yeah, probably been making the, the best of the downtime with his home gym or something. Yeah, yeah, I thought he looked phenomenal here. So he goes on to say that um wasn't meant to be here. He was supposed to be over in the US for Ring of Honor. But now that everything's happened, he's making South Australia his new home for wrestling. He specifically mentioned that he came over from Victoria and had already done 14 days quarantine. Just to silence a few people like myself that first read this and was like, oh, that's convenient. He's moving to South Australia right now just, just to get a bit of work, but whatever. I thought it was a little too convenient, but... Yeah, he sort of explains it all, and it all makes sense. He did his quarantine for 14 days, and, yeah, the ledge is South Australian for the time being. Yeah, it'll be be interesting to see what happens there sort of going forward. Selfishly, I just because I, I don't even know, like, how much work he's done with him, I would have liked to have seen him go the other border for Victoria up to PWA to see some fresh stuff there with Brooksy. But right, City's sort of Brooksy's second home in Australia, so this all makes sense. Yeah, and I suppose with um well well we'll get there shortly with um what's going on in, in Sydney. But we go back and it is time for the main event, a trio's match with a sixty minute time limit is the team of the number one contender to the RCW championship, Jet Armstrong and the tag team champions, world-class egos, Chris Basso and Matt Hayter, versus the RCW champion, Rocky Monero, with Tyler Daniels, and the number one contenders to the tag team championships, the Perea, Eli Ferios and Gabriel Eros. 
Commentary actually states at the start of this match. Tag team rules here. Competitors must tag in and out. It is not an elimination tag. That means all sorts of chaos is on the way. What? So it's just an all match. What? What do you want about, you idiots? <laughs> yeah. Well, they would prove to be right because two minutes in, an illegal man is running in to attack in a 60-minute time limit match. What? Yeah. <laughs> so these notes I've written down without knowing the finish of the match. I'm writing them down uh, live to tape, as you say. Yeah. 15 minutes in, it's a complete cluster F. Both... Pereira in the ring with Armstrong. As for the ref, he's letting it go. Legal men are Rocky and Jet, but Basso and Arios are in the ring. Closing stages now. Everyone's brawling either inside or outside the ring. Jet gets Rocky in an arm bar and makes him submit after 20 minutes. Easy booking there for the feud builder with Jet and Rocky. Builds interest for the title match down the road. That's all well and good. I don't know about you, but is this the sort of main event you would book for your first show back? Um, personally, I would have had this as the main. So you've got interest for your next show with the tag and the world title or heavyweight title and your women's match as the co-main given more time. Like, this has the possibility of being a great match. Like My number one problem with RCW's tag matches, and I've said this before, make it a tornado match yeah. <laughs> and it'd be but, fine. Or just like state this is lucha rules. Like if someone's out of the ring, the next person can be the legal man just like that. Yeah, like PWA does or come up with your own version of the rules where it's right city rules after... 10 minutes, this becomes a tornado match and all men are illegal. Rules are in place in wrestling for a reason, and that's not for law and order and all that sort of thing. It's for a heel to break the rules. Now, if every single match, the heels are breaking the rules two minutes into the match, like it means nothing the next person to do it or the next person to do it and eventually you've just completely desensitized your audience yeah so i suppose we might as well move on to the um positives and negatives here for rcw if you like yeah go for it so my quick positives are there was commentary for this event which we didn't have the other month the in-ring wrestling with rcw is always good time limit for matches i like the idea Personally, I would have liked to have seen them play around a bit more with a match getting closer to the distance or even a barren time limit draw in the future would a neat idea of a way to start a feud. Yeah, Uh, definitely. A wild ledge appeared. (laughs) (laughs) And then the legal men being involved in the outcome of both tag team matches which I've complained about on a few Australian New Zealand indies before where it devolves into a cluster and then the illegal men are involved in the outcome. I I get that you're basing this on sort of a curve or whatever, but that shouldn't be a positive. That should be a given. Yes, but (laughs) (laughs) 
Do you have any quick positives you'd like to add before I go a bit negative? Overall, it was a okay first show back. I enjoyed uh, a few of the matches. Certain guys just really jump off the page as you got something there. Like Rocky Monero's just got it all. Like he's got the look, he's got the charisma. Like he's a star there. Um, Baron's very intriguing. Down under even like interests me a little bit. Who else? Yeah, Havoc, like I said, he's got this like grizzled, burly veteran sort of appeal to him. And yeah, I, I love um, Jonathan Corbinet as well. So yeah, there's there's lots of standout talent on this show. And that's not even talking about some of the guys like the Perea and and all and world class egos and all that. There's so much talent on this roster, and I'll give that a big thumbs up at least before we get into the negatives. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely have to echo your sentiment there. People like World Class Egos, the Perea, uh, Rocky Monero, who doesn't seem to receive enough praise Australian wide, and, and many, many did, others. We, and we didn't even get, um, oh, what are they called? The Viking Boys. Oh, yeah, Gods and Monsters on this show. Yeah, we didn't even get them, did we? No. No, and, like, those are, like, there could be reasons for that. I'm not going to judge them for that. For I'm not going to judge them for not wanting to go out and wrestle in a pandemic for all, for all likelihood. But, um, like, you got those two guys on the bench as well, just to add to the talent pool that these guys have. And those two guys, I don't know, if they were in my fantasy fed, they'd be getting pushed pretty heavily. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, definitely have to agree there. And now that your women's champion is back, you can start putting a lot more emphasis on the women's division. Yeah, that'd be good too. Um, So... <laughs> Glass half empty time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'll be perfectly honest. I had to really scrape the barrel to be even somewhat positive on this show. I've definitely made it known a couple of times throughout this episode that I might not have been a fan of this. So, my God, the rules and lack thereof on this show. So... Match one had interference. Match two, just let the tag team rules go. Match number five had interference. Match number six, where the referee is looking at the pin attempt but stops, walks around both men and yells at the manager on the apron. And match number seven, where it just devolves into a cluster with the tag team rules being thrown out. Yeah. I've already touched on this before. The fourth match, the women's championship match, I think, my view of that is going to be a lot more skewed than, say, someone who just watches Riot City and WWE and maybe a MCW because we watch um, PCW is a big proponent of intergender wrestling. So watching this and then watching PWA, this was night and day. This was <laughs> this was very much playing up the um, WWE-style sort of match where Oh, what's she going to do here? She can't handle wrestling a man. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit backwards. Um, 
And yeah, commentary saying with a straight face that there's going to be tag team rules in the main event, and then two minutes in, there's a run-in to attack someone. Yeah. Um, yeah, overall, this show was a tough watch. I have no idea why we agreed to this. This was one beer. Yeah, um, I'd also like to add, like, I felt like commentary added nothing. Like, I feel like, like, as much as I have come on this podcast before and been like, oh, I turned on an RCW show and saw that it had no commentary, so I just turned it off. I don't know. I I don't think this would have been any better. Like, this commentary team, I've heard them be on fire before. This was not a good night for them. They quite frankly, sucked for me. Um, They didn't add too much to the matches. They didn't add excitement. And, I don't know, uh, it was was a slog to watch. Like, half these matches, I got incredibly sidetracked watching. Like, just like, oh, yeah, have a look at the phone. Oh, dog just brought a ball over, so I'll start throwing the ball for the dog for a bit. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm meant to be watching this match for this podcast. By the time the second match had happened and it was already back to the old RCW where we've got the rules just being thrown out the window and the referees just looking like morons, I was just like, oh, gosh. Because I, I want this to be good. I want this to look credible. I don't want... You, your commentary to say after there's already been interference in a tag team match to say this is a normal tag team match where tags must be made. This is not elimination. There shouldn't be chaos, but for you to say there's going to be chaos just contradicts yourself. It's just, it's just um, frustrating. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, like I said, the lighting of this show as well, like, Pretty much the entire arena or building or whatever is pure pitch black darkness except one spotlight on the ring, which is very old school and appealing on paper. But they got this one spotlight on the ring, but it's not even big enough to cover the entire ring. Like certain corners of the ring when the wrestlers went in there, it just got really dark. So, I don't know, maybe they need to work on that. Like, you barely see people making their entrance when you film their entrances from time to time as well. So I think there's a bit of lighting issues there too, just from a production standpoint, just from, yeah, just looking at the product. Fair enough. Um, I suppose <laughs> we don't we don't want to, to pick on RCW and want to um, make it seem like we're just... Push them, <laughs> pushing them out the car. We want to. No, um, I, I honestly feel like I'm trying to give constructive criticism. Like, I want RCW to be awesome because if RCW is awesome, that means PWA is going to be awesome, which will push MCW to be awesome, which will push EPW to be awesome. And then it pushes the entire world to look at our scene. And that's, that's what the goal is. Yeah, it's just. Your first show back and 
by the second match you've got in appearance, it's it's sort of why why <laughs> why'd we bother? Yeah, okay. I was just ho- yeah, I was just hoping for a bit more of a uh, how you say big bang for the first show back and. Not going to lie, like, not spoiling anything, like, the next show that we're going to talk about, I don't think they gave as big of a bang in their first show back that I was hoping for as well. I completely forgot to give my beer rating on this. RCW, go back and watch their reanimated show. I actually enjoyed the most part that show. This show was not it for me. Um, Hurts to give probably my lowest rating, but this was like a 0.25 of a beer. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, this is one of those beers like you're incredibly hungover. You had a massive night last night. You're waking up. That headache's killing you. And it's 10 in the morning, but you're like, oh, the only thing that's going to fix this is a bit of a... Bit of the hair of the dog that bit you, so you crack open a beer the next morning, you drink about a quarter of it, and you just sit it on the back veranda on the table and just never look at that beer again because it went down that rough. Oh, jeez. So from there, we'll move across the border, well, digitally. (laughs) (laughs) I will never be allowed to cross a border again in my lifetime, man. (laughs) <laughs> oh geez that that's a discussion for another day but um <laughs> digitally speaking we go across to new south wales for the pwa black label quarter arms 13th anniversary show from the pro wrestling academy in sydney new south wales australia commentary team is andrew rose chris gale and tough stuff ricky south with the ring announcing done by jt now, they started this with a cold opening. They came in, did an acknowledgement of land statement, and then a COVID safety card flashed up on the screen saying that we're taking all the precautions to put on the show tonight. Perfect. Be- yeah, we were mentioning this on um, sort of our news special show when we touched on the um, Black Lives Matter and the Indigenous wrestling roundtable that the B plus and on the turnbuckle did that they mentioned they'd like to see this done more. And I'm, I'm happy to see PWA be sort of the first ones I've seen take this on board. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, you got promotions like APW that have been doing it for a while, but it's good to see more promotions starting to do it. The only real heartbreaking thing for me, like watching this was seeing Ricky South on commentary, which is not an indictment against his commentary because I will definitely praise him for his commentary later. But it just meant, oh, we're not going to see Ricky South wrestle. That's a shame. Is he still injured at the moment? Uh, I'm not too sure. Like, I was going to ask you. I was hoping you would have the inside scoop on that one. But um, quick story to Saturday night. It's 8 p.m. Black Label Call to Arms is coming on live at 8 p.m. It's been advertised all day on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. I'm sitting at home with the missus. She's playing the PlayStation because I told her, yeah, you can have PlayStation tonight. I'm going to watch wrestling on my iPad or whatever. 
And I turn on Ovo Play. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, I was like, okay. Eliza gets sick of her video game, so we end up watching a movie or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to check that stream again. It was like 8.30. Nothing. 9 o'clock. Nothing. So... Ovo play fumbled the ball here, and apparently, yeah, they were down until just after nine o'clock, which at that point, I'd just given up and just kept watching the movie with Eliza. So uh, Eliza and I finished the movie, and I'm able to get onto Ovo play and see the last uh, two matches live, which was awesome. But then here's my issue. I had to wait until from Saturday until I think it was Wednesday that I finally got to watch PWA called Arms on Demand. The turnover is just, in this day and age, it's just not good enough to be able to watch the show online, like on demand. Yeah, surely they'd just be able to, to cut the stream there and there. They're not changing out any of the commercial music all the graphics and that are done live anyway so you wouldn't think there'd be that much to um change on demand surely once it's done no and like i said i watched the last two matches live and then i re-watched the entire show including the last two matches nothing was changed in the last two matches so i don't know i just feel like it's like I'm paying I'm paying good money to watch PWA but I can tune in and see the last two matches of a show and then I'm like oh I really want to go back and watch the next uh the first few matches but it's going to take me 3 4 sometimes 5 days to be able to watch it back on demand what especially when I was ready to go at 8 p.m., but then you guys fumbled the ball and didn't start the show until an hour later, so I was like, oh, maybe I got the date wrong. Well, who knows? Yeah. So yeah, like, and and you can't even, like, like, you watch AEW on Fight TV, you can, if you're watching live, you can rewind like, you can go back to the start of the episode if you tune in halfway through a live show. You can't even do that on Ovo Play. Like, it's you just... can on New Japan, on WWE. Yeah, it's just kind of frustrating. Ring of Honor. Yeah, exactly. It's just um, really frustrating, especially when you're paying money for this service. You're paying money for the OVO Play ads. Yeah, exactly. Like... I don't think any of this should be held against PWA. This is all, like, overplay. But, like, yeah, pull your fingers out because, like, you're running a bit of a, as Taz would say, a sloppy shop. Yes, um, so they go through the opening video. There's a special Call to Arms opening video package as well. Commentary then say that OVO play went down with the amount of people tuning in. Um, I don't know how true 
that is, but I suppose we'll have to um, wait and see. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know what happened there. You haven't heard anything else to no. um, contradict that on Twitter or anything? No, no, I have no idea. Um, yeah, all I know is my lengthy experience that I just spent five minutes ranting about. Yeah, I tried to get on. I couldn't. Got very frustrating. So there's no fans in attendance, but other wrestlers and PWA staff are the standing crowd wearing masks and socially distancing from one another. So very much sort of like the um, the NXT PC wrestlers in the crowd for Raw and SmackDown and the other shows. Yeah, and at this point in the show, like when they first show the crowd, I'm like, this is the reverse of RCW where you couldn't see anything and you couldn't even tell if there was a crowd. This was like the most heavily lit thing ever. It was like... It was like a doctor's office or something with those big bright white lights. Like this whole thing was like almost too lit, but it was fine. It was much easier to watch with this sort of lighting than RCW's style for my liking. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. It's sort of more um, pleasing to the eye. So we go to the first match. It's a trios match. Team Academy, Big Fudge, Cherry Stevens, and Jay Sorbet with Jimmy Townsend in their corner versus Team Hoos, Ben Braxton, Dazza, and Parker Thomas. So it's announced that Lucha rules are in place, as with every PWA show. When a wrestler falls to the outside, their tag partners can run in and become legal. Closing stages of the match, Big Fudge runs in, for the butt punch to Parker Thomas, which allows Cherry to go for the schoolgirl, and no one kicks out of schoolgirl as Cherry pins Parker Thomas after 15 minutes. Yeah, I, I like this match. It was um, a really good, fun way to get back into PWA wrestling. Yeah, I'd absolutely have to agree there, and good showing from some of the um, the Newcastle-based Team Hoos wrestlers. So then they go to a post-match ringside interview with Frankie B, who's got her back to the camera the whole time. Yeah, she had her back to the camera the whole time, and I thought it was Shazza. Oh, with the pink hair. Yeah, I honestly oh, thought it the, was Shazza. The last time I would have saw Frankie would have been, oh, when they put the hole in the RSL wall. All right. Um. Yeah, Frankie so... Wrestling Australia. <laughs> <laughs> she had um, blonde hair there, yeah. But I had the same reaction before before one of them said, oh, well, Frankie, da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, oh, I thought that was Shazza with Yeah, with and I, I was like, oh, Shazza would actually be, like, she would be a good fit as an interviewer on this show. Obviously, if you had her for this show, you'd be a fool to just use her as an interviewer. Yes, so she goes on to interview Cherry and then Big Fudge is reaching under the ring for something, grabs a new T-shirt and says that he's now 2-0 in PWA in 2020. Fudge was fantastic. He's getting a little bit too big for his britches, as JR would like to say. Um, Getting a bit full of himself. I look forward to seeing where this is going. Big Fudge is fun. It's just a good time. At one point during this match, someone on commentary says, oh, fudge, cherry and sorbet. 
Sounds like a delicious trios team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It sounds like a dessert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think it might have even been Ricky South, which is the first indication we have where Ricky South is just amazing on commentary. So then we go on to the second match. So as Cherry and Jimmy go to walk back, the ring announcer JT says, don't go anywhere. Jimmy, you're in a match next. So he gets in the ring, thinking it's a tag team match, but then it's announced. And his opponent, Kai Drake. So it's actually a singles match. It was advertised on the social media beforehand as a tag match. But um, Kai's partner ended up suffering an injury in training. And Yeah, a bit of that going on too. A few people not being able to wrestle on this show. Yeah, and the same thing happened with the, the AFL, the NRL, when they came back. I've seen a little bit of it in the A-League soccer where the players have had like a month or two off and come back and then they're picking up hamstring and uh, ankle injuries. Yeah, definitely. It's it's to be expected. Yeah, but uh, a few heartbreaking absentees on this card due to injury. Yeah, M- Michael Spencer being being the first here, the second half of MK Plus Ultra. They mentioned that MK Plus Ultra still have the tag belts, even though they're not the champions. Uh, towards the end of the match, William Preston arrives late. Jimmy, distracted, walks into a super kick and a Michinoku driver, and Kydrake pins Jimmy after 10 minutes. Teasing the split of the prefix, which will be the most heartbreaking of days. William Preston showing up late. Jimmy Townsend had full control of the match and old Willie turns up and strikes him. Um, I really like where this story's going. Yeah, yeah. So that there's a few things they're still continuing on from previously and there's a few new things as we'll get into later. Third is a singles match. It's Trey Hugalucci versus Donnie Mako. Johnny Mako has a new look. He's now sort of a surfer type bro, and he's got new ring gear. He looked good, um, like ring gear was. Did you um, like this from his blue board shorts with the shark jaws on the side? Now it's um sort of green, and one yeah. boot and one pant leg is silver because it's the shark on his boot coming up on the side. Yeah, I thought it looked cool. So... We'll talk about these two guys a little bit later when we get to a Tree Hugger Lucci video. But they did a Donnie Mako video before this, just like asking him what was it like in lockdown and all that sort of stuff. He's like, oh, I, was, I got bored, so I started learning how to make kombucha and stuff like that. And that leads to a line set on commentary during this match by Ricky South with the phrase kombucha libre, which made me so happy. I completely forgot to write that down. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good, good little match. Um, They're sort of going back and forth. Donnie's got the upper hand. He goes for a um, sort of a springboard off the top rope. But Lucci catches him, goes for the dolphin clutch pin, grabs the ropes for leverage, and Tree Hugger Lucci pins Donnie Mako after 10 minutes. It was a good match. I think Donnie Mako looked really good. 
Trey Hugalucci looks good. Uh, so in this episode, I might come across sounding like a bit of a fanboy, but Ricky South on commentary during this match was just fantastic. Um, he, he was just pumping out like one-liners and puns like nothing. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'd absolutely have to agree. So from there, we go on to the fourth match. It's a four-way match. Reese Angel versus AJ Aaron Jake versus Kingsley versus Will Kiedis. Now, there's a lot of new gear going around as Kingsley has a new look coming out with a Generation Me tee and bright pink gear. Next was Aaron... Uh, next was AJ Aaron Jake, who has a brown coat and contacts. Then Reese Angel comes out in a Generation Me tee. And then Will Kiedis. Did you happen to catch his Goober report? Yeah, it was fantastic. I, I saw something about um, oh, Steph Delander isn't a real snake and all that sort of stuff. Um, Will Kiedis. Kind of looks like Andrade, right? Yeah, that's actually what I was going to say to you. Like, who's the WWE wrestler you say look like the most? It's Andrade. Yeah, definitely. Especially this match with his white pants and stuff. I was talking to you before the show about I have a dog. Its name is Ketus. Therefore, whenever Will Ketus is in a match, he is my favorite wrestler. But I was watching this, like a replay of this on demand or whatever, on the television in the lounge room. And like the commentary would be like, Ketus this, Ketus that. Every time my dog would just like head tilt and stare at the television, which was awesome. <laughs> it was really entertaining. So give me more Will Ketus matches just to entertain my dog. So there's sort of this story going on in the match where Reese Angel hasn't talked to. AJ, the entire lockdown, no one's really heard from AJ. As you remember before, they were sort of tagging, Reese being this um, high-flying babyface, AJ being thankful that he came out to save him from a beatdown. And, yeah, it's sort of this this new direction where AJ saw this silent, menacing type and Reese has sort of, he's sort of gone to the dark side. It was a good look for... AJ with his um, hair and his contacts and all that. Reese being a little bit more mischievous and all that too. So very interesting storytelling. Um, Kingsley's a star. Like, like if you're you're going to tell me, like, you could only watch one of these four wrestle for the rest of your life. Who are you going to pick? It's Kingsley every day. And I really enjoyed the work of the other three people in this match too. Kingsley's just a superstar. I just, yeah, can't get enough of her. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. So late in the match, Reese throws Kingsley into the seats at ringside and she spills so far that she knocks down a PWA extra. Back inside, AJ has Will set up but Reese throws AJ out of the ring and Reese pins Will Kiedis after 20 minutes. Yeah, boo. We want Kiedis winning all the time. Yeah, that, that's cool. Um, fun match. Very fun match. Yeah, really, really good match. Um, there we go to 
the fifth match of the night. It was a singles match, Jessica Troy versus the returning Charlie Evans. Have you seen much of Charlie in ring before? I've seen a couple of matches. Um, I didn't see anything that stood out as much as this did for me. Fair enough. Um, So she's been over in the UK since 2017, working a lot of independence over there, most notably Pro Wrestling Eve. It's announced before the match that the PWWA Championship is not on the line. Together as the Floozies, Jessica and Charlie co-held the PWWA Championship for 644 days, at the time the second longest reign. Yeah, amazing. Do you know who they lost the belt to? Who did they lose the belt to? Shasa McKenzie. Ah, yes, our queen. Yes. She follows us on Twitter. We have to be nice about her. (laughs) She held it for, I'd have to say, around 720 days, and then Jessica won it last year. Yeah, so my first ever PWA show I watched was the one where... Jessica Troy beat Shazza. Yeah, match of the year last year, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. This match was just amazing. It's a masterclass. Both wrestlers know each other so well. Just back and forth, counters, reverses. Jessica's, of course, is going after the arm. Charlie's trying to work over Jessica's legs. Going into the closing stages, there's exchanging near falls. Two count, two count, two count. Two count for Charlie. Reverse. Jessica's up. Two count for Charlie, reverses into a crucifix pin. Three count. Jessica pins Charlie Evans after 20 minutes. I've already made it pretty obvious. Jessica Troy is the 2020 Australian Wrestler of the Year. There's nothing anyone can do to outclass her at the moment. She, like, even with all this time off, she's still on top of her game. Like, she, for me is the face of PWA. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. So, um, yeah, like, when you... She's, when... she's at least, if she's not the face, she's the ace. Like, you need a good match. You, you chuck Jessica Troy in there with someone, give her a broomstick for all, all we can. She will work that broomstick's imaginary arm like nothing. And before this match... They do, like, throughout the night, they've been doing check-ins with wrestlers and all that sort of stuff. They catch up with Jessica Troy to find out what she's been doing in lockdown. And she's been cooking uh, arm-shaped candies, like arm-shaped biscuits, making arm-shaped candles and stuff like that. Because she's spent all these months just thinking about how much she wishes she could rip someone's arm off again. And it was just fantastic. Like, And she comes out like a uncaged beast of happiness. It was fantastic. So post-match, both wrestlers are in the ring. They get up, and there's a sign of respect with the wrestlers shaking hands. I, I can't say enough good things about that match. And here I go again. Ricky South, like... Adding his technical expertise to the holds in this match in particular really helped the match itself. Like, you know, it might have been a four-star match, but his commentary made it a five-star. Yeah, yeah, I 
I'd have to agree there. We go on to match number six, Speed Force, Jude London and Matt Rogers versus Backman with Silvio Milano in his corner and Jack Payne. Commentary names the team of Backman and Jack Payne, Back Payne. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I saw someone on Twitter saying someone accidentally invited Jude London to a hoss fight because there was three big boys in this ring and Jude the dude. Well, it was supposed to be um, Backman and Silvio Milano, but Silvio was injured in training, so um, Jack Payne was the late replacement. Yeah, and Silvio... uh... Made the most of his time being out there as a manager anyway. I, I don't know. That might be a pretty good role for him. Oh, my God, his get-up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amazing. No, all about it. Yeah, he, he was fantastic. Um, it's like a baby. Mm, it's like a baby blue button-up shirt, a baby blue cowboy hat, and a rainbow-striped baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. A cowboy hat that we would not see the last of. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I enjoy Silvio. Um, yeah, I would have liked to have seen him wrestle. Sadly, that wouldn't be the case tonight. So it's a good tag team match. Closing stages here. Quick tags allowed. Speed force to double team. Jack, as Backman is down outside and Matt Rogers gets a pin on Jack Payne after 15 minutes. I actually really loved this match. I thought it was so much fun. Once again, well known for being a hoss fight lover and there was lots of big meaty men slapping meat in this match and I loved it. At one stage, Ricky's saying that um, Jack comes from, I can't remember the exact location, but he says he comes from like a potato farming community. Yeah. And he goes, that's why he's so big, lots of carbs. Yeah, and it's also a play on words to the stiff shots he was throwing, a few potatoes for sure. Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed this match. I, I don't know where you're at on Matt Rogers, but I, I would love to see him in a bigger role. Um. Yeah, it's sort of, the tag belts are sort of up in the air at the moment in PWA with this um, MK Plus Ultra and the Velocities sort of being stuck in this um, feud where Spencer's unfortunately got injured, I think, twice now. Yeah, like, are you at a point now where you just have to scrap that? Like, you had a really good chance here to just scrap it. Like, if... The Velocities just came out with tag belts this show. You could almost be all is forgiven. Yeah, the, the only way I can see him doing that is um challenging Kai to a one-on-one match for him or something, and the winner gets to keep the belts. Unless Spencer's injury isn't that serious and they can do it on their next show. Yeah. From there, we move on to where Alex was watching live. It's the co-main event. <laughs> Yeah, so um, was it just before this match that we get the Tree Hugger Lucci video? Yes, indeed. So there's something I noticed on my rewatch of this show was Tree Hugger Lucci 
like doing his little chat, catching up with the camera and letting everyone know what he was doing in his lockdown, all that sort of stuff. But in the background, I don't know if you caught this, but I only noticed it because we saw him in the exact same outfit in a video earlier in the night. Johnny Mako's like outside the ring behind Tree Hugger Lucci, just like cleaning the ring and all that. Yeah. But these two guys had a match earlier that night. I don't know. Cafe, brother. They did say it was taped earlier, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I know that, but like these guys might have known that they were going to wrestle each other while they're hanging out, all that sort of stuff. Like, I don't know. It's just one tiny little detail that now in 2020 it might not matter, but I feel like if a bigger promotion did this, they'd cop a lot of flack for it. Yeah, yeah, I can see where you're coming there. Yeah, I suppose it's a bit bit odd. I did notice in Jessica Troy's video, one of the boys was doing um, dives off the top rope on the mats in the ring. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fine. Um, yeah, just Dottie Mako just standing in the background, like, wiping the ring and then, like, occasionally, like, looking, like, around and looking straight at the camera <laughs> during Triagolucci's thing. Like, yeah, that was just a bit odd, but uh, not... Not worth spending too much time on. So, co-main event. It is a singles match. Steph Delander versus William Preston with Jimmy Townsend in his corner. Steph makes her entrance. Sees Silvio's hat, puts it on and poses in the ring. Like, her smile when she posed in the ring, was that the look of someone that was just genuinely overjoyed to be in a wrestling ring again? Like, that was just pure elation on her face when she was wearing that hat. Oh, yeah, there was a there was a lot of wrestlers you could see where it would quickly cut to them in the ring and they had, like, this cheesy grin on their face because it's the first time in five months they've been able to do what they love. So, closing stages, Jimmy's telling William to go for the schoolboy and they begin to argue. Steph recovers and lands a deaf adder and pins William after seven minutes. Yeah, it was fine. Um, I missed SDL. She's a star, man. I missed her. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see where she goes next because she has already challenged for the um, the women's title. Does she move up to the heavyweight title or does she go across to the, the tag division with someone? Well, I, I don't know if you have any notes on what they talk about later with the heavyweight title. But it's entirely possible that they end up vacating the PWA heavyweight title. Oh, because I just realised, yeah, he's stuck in Victoria. Like, it's entirely possible that they might end up vacating that title. And uh, without going too much further ahead... As much as Ricky South is the number one contender or whatever, like if they have a tournament and whoever wins the tournament faces Ricky South for the title, do something like that. But I would really love to have the title in the Moretti Wahlberg feud. They could, because I know Coliseum saw the next big show they've got coming up. They could very much say Coliseum this year's for the title, because it's all be going to be local guys anyway. Yeah. It would be fantastic. Whenever the borders decide to open up again, you've got an angry ug on your hand. 
And so, that writes itself too. Yeah, absolutely. Angry Arbat, he's out of his cave and doing just fine. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. The cancelled show that didn't take place. Yeah, I know. I, I thought it was the best name for a show too. Yeah, uh, so so the majority of the PWA shows all play on um puns. Yeah, yeah. Um, all Eyes on Troy. Yeah, that's the one I was... Yeah, that was my first PWA show, All Eyes on Troy. There's, there's yeah, a few few different ones. Um, like well, Rick South for the Boys is like... That's the other one, one of, I was trying to think of. That's one of the best ones too. So from there, there's a quick sh- shot of the ring crew cleaning and disinfecting the ring before the main event. Really good move on their part. Like, we've seen it a number of times already with um, New Japan doing it. I wasn't sure if any promotion was going to be seen doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's fine. Like, it's exactly what I want, to be honest. It puts my mind at ease. It is the main event, a trios match. It is the team of HVWA, Matt Diamond and Robbie Eagles with a mystery partner. Versus the team of Matty Wahlberg and his two mystery teammates. So Wahlberg comes out. He's billed from Summer Bay, New South Wales. Yeah, was that, is that new? No, I just always laugh when I hear that because of the connection. Yeah, he he looks like a bloody soap opera star. Like, he looks like he would be like one of the main bad guys on Home and Away. So it's perfect. Warburg says he's putting aside differences tonight to team with two people who are generation now. Out comes Paris De Silva and Sam Osborne. Sam comes out with a, a Don Marnell framed photo and gives it to Ricky South to hold ringside. I, I audibly popped for Sam Os- Osborne, like watching this live. Like, yeah, I, I love this dude. So it's then announced the mystery man to team with Diamond and Eagles is Mick Moretti. Perfect. We're going to have Eagles and Wahlberg. uh, Sorry, we're going to have Moretti and Wahlberg stare down in this match. Another really good match. It is just all out everywhere. There's brawling ringside. There's brawling in the ring. So it goes about 25 minutes. Paris is trying to pin Robbie. Robbie counters, gets the pinfall on Paris de Silva for the victory. Everything about this match, like, I loved. I, I really loved this match. Um, it was so much fun. Uh, the pre-match stuff was really good. Like, Wahlberg's reaction when Moretti comes out was just something else. Like, it was fantastic. It was like, oh, crap. Like, oh, damn. I got myself into the business right now. It looked like he wasn't expecting that as a possibility at all. Yeah, he sold it like a champ. This entire match was just... A highlight reel of why Matty Wahlberg is like a main event star. Giant advertisement for the star power and the charisma, the effortless charisma of Matty Wahlberg. Yeah, I I have not hid this fact at all. I am 
pretty much man crushing on Matty Wahlberg. I think he's the best men's wrestler in Australia. It, it was fantastic. I had so much fun watching this main event. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree. Really sort of solid match. After the bell rings, Paris sort of shakes hands with Matt Diamond. Wahlberg's yelling for him to get out of the ring, rolls out, stands with his tag team mates in Wahlberg and Sam Osborne, and they go to the back as Moretti, Diamond, and Eagles all pose in the ring. Now, after the credits, we got another Bell Pierce video. She's sort of having a breakdown in a dark room, and then somebody's hand is on her shoulder as she takes her hands down from her face and smiles. Yeah, yeah. Um, this whole Bell Pierce thing, they haven't rushed it, which I think is perfect. Just keep going slow with it. I'm very excited to find out where this is going, like who she's with, all that sort of stuff. But this is really helped by a slow build, so I like them doing this. To some positives. Three-man commentary team for this event with Ricky South being the third. Really good. He didn't miss a beat. He added a lot to the commentary. In-ring wrestling for this was great up and down the card the whole night. I thought the sort of wrestler diary check-ins were a nice touch with Donnie Mako, Jessica Troy, and Tree Hagalucci. I really liked the um, Goober report with Will Kiedis. Yeah, that was perfect. It was good to see they did have a cleaning crew there wiping down and disinfecting the ring after matches as well as um, continuing the Belle Pierce storyline of her sort of post-credit videos. And then lastly, PWA using the time off to play with different wrestlers' characters. So we've seen AJ and Reese Angel change, as well as a few other different wrestlers change either their look in their gear or their um, attitude. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, Donnie Mako sort of evolving, all that sort of stuff. Um, this was a really... I I can't say enough nice things about this show. Like, considering, like, how much I missed Aussie wrestling and I unfortunately watched this before I watched RCW. <laughs> At least the first... Uh, the last two matches on this card I saw before... I watched RCW, and um, yeah, this just made me so happy to see Aussie wrestling back, so happy to see some of my favourites, like SDL, Jessica Troy, Sam Osborne, Matty Wahlberg. Really good show. The commentary was just sensational. If I had to choose between Ricky South on commentary or Ricky South in the ring... I would probably just jump off a cliff because I want both of those things and I <laughs> I would never decide between the two because, man, it's just a testament to how good Ricky South is. Yeah, you can put him in any position and he's, he's going to come out looking like a star. Negatives? Yeah, as you mentioned before, I've got the same issue. It's not a PWA issue, but more a OVO play issue. I don't know why I'm still paying top tier for ads on OVO play. And, yeah, just all the stuff I mentioned earlier too, waiting so long for the on-demand to get put on. 
not being able to rewind live streams, all that sort of stuff. Um, having your show be an hour late for a live stream due to your own technical faults, like, yeah. Like I said, OVO needs to pull their fingers out and um, have a look at themselves and figure them, figure some stuff out because this was not the best performance by OVO. Um, from there, just a couple of small PWA negatives. The prefix music, it needs to change ASAP. Why? Uh, it's connection to a certain show, Summer Heights High, which has sort of been hashtag cancelled. Definitely makes you uncomfortable in hindsight. And then the last thing I sort of have is the Generation Me t-shirts. Is this a new faction or just a movement? Because there's multiple wrestlers from multiple factions wearing the t-shirts tonight. Uh, I, I was definitely under the impression it's just like a movement. It's it's like um, it's like when the WWF had the new generation and stuff like that. It's just it's just an error. It's a uh, it's yeah like. It's the new guard. They might not necessarily like each other, but they are all on the so same page of like putting a spotlight on the next generation or the now generation. Yeah, that's the sort of impression I got. I just sort of wasn't really um, left clear on it at the end of the show. Well, they didn't make it perfectly clear at all. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so from there, how many beers did you give this? Well, as we all remember, I may have given my lowest score ever to RCW uh, 0.25. You know what? I'll give 4.75 to, to PWA, so I've at least handed out five beers for this episode. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with your logic. I've gone four beers for PWA. Yeah, this was, I, I don't know, maybe the time, away like made the heart grow fonder and all that sort of stuff but this was just a really fun way to come back as i may have referenced like i, I may have liked a little bit more like like coming out of the gates a little bit stronger storyline wise but yeah i don't know i would have liked a big angle at the end or something i don't know that's where I was sort of confused with the Generation Me. Is this supposed to be a new group? Because there was a lot of people wearing it. And I thought, oh, that's the big thing for tonight at the end of the show. Did you say Generation Me? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Generation Now. Generation Now. With um, I thought Wahlberg was going to win at the end of the show. And they're all going to beat down Moretti, Eagles and diamond and then all the other wrestlers who are wearing generation now shirts were going to come out and stand tall at the end of the show as a new super faction yeah i i, I don't know if it would work as a faction because like generation now sort of represents the younger talent and pretty much like they've only got a few from the old guard left in pwa so, especially on this particular card, if you had them all as a faction, you pretty much uh, 
screwing yourself over on matchmaking and all that. But yeah, I get what you mean. Um, I would have liked to have seen something big, uh, like a big angle, a, like a big storyline coming out of this, something set up for another show, an announcement for another show would have been nice. Yeah, I suppose might as well go there now. I was going to discuss it later. Um, with the sort of new cases in New South Wales over recent days, can PWA run again in September? Or do you think they'll take September off and hope to come back for um, Coliseum? I'm not too sure. My guess is it might be a little while before the next show. And then I suppose the next question was, A, do you see Coliseum taking place in October? And B, will fans attend? I can see Coliseum taking place. I honestly can't see fans being there. I'd have to agree. I can see um, Coliseum taking place from the Pro Wrestling Academy. However, I can't see fans being there. The only people in the crowd will be like, yeah, PWA wrestlers and other sort of backstage PWA staff. It's heartbreaking, but for all intensive purposes, this is the new normal for the time being. Yeah, yeah, sadly. Uh, I suppose we might as well go to what was your match of the night. I don't think it's a big secret, but... Yeah, uh, Jessica Troy, um, Charlie Evans. Oh, my God. Fantastic. Um, I really loved the main event as well. So but so that that's a tough one to snub the main event, but I've got to give it to Jessica Troy. Um, like, she cannot put on anything but a match of the night these days. Yeah, her last 12 months have really been incredible i'd have to agree there match of the night my choice was jessica troy and charlie evans even last year for while we're still sort of talking about coliseum she had the match with orange cassidy so she's the arm collector trying to collect the arms and cassidy's just got his hands in his pocket most of the match yeah that was fantastic too i forgot all about that how did i forget about that like it honestly infuriates me that I don't hear, like, American, like, independent fans on Twitter talking about, in particular, Jessica Troy or Maddie Wahlberg. Because, like, I think these these two people in particular are TV, like, ready. They're ready to go for a TV spot. The weird thing about Wahlberg is he's not even the leader of the babes. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's Hartley, is it Hartley Wonderland from um, Pro Wrestling? Was it Nui Pro Wrestling in Newcastle? Yeah, Hartley Wonderland. Yes, sorry. Yeah, I thought you were about (laughs) to say Hartley Jackson was the leader of the babes. But (laughs) wouldn't that be a sight? Like Hartley Jackson coming out to money. I got money. Like, yeah, here comes Jag just with the red solo cup doing the doing all that sort of stuff. Oh, that'd be hilarious. But yep, off topic. Um, 
Yeah, I compl- I honestly didn't have much of an idea that Wahlberg wasn't the leader of the Babes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's sort of the de facto leader in PWA because a lot of the Newcastle members don't show up there. The only one now sort of is, what, Carter Deems and Will Kiedis. Yeah. And, uh, man, that's a good group. Like, in ring, like, Matty Wahlberg might not even be the best in-ring competitor in the babes now that I think about it. And he's my favourite wrestler. Yeah, so. Sorry, JXT. (laughs) He's been dethroned badly in this last year or two. I'm still (laughs) waiting for a show where we can talk about him. Uh, I've got to... Got to choose one. I'm going to have to. Yeah. I'm waiting for Mayhem Pro Episode 2 to finally get uploaded so we can see a show where I'm sitting front row. (laughs) (laughs) If only. Uh, A too sweet JXT when he comes out. He goes, ah, fruity! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So from there, is there much more to add on these two shows for the week, I suppose? No, not really. Um, I didn't mean to sound like such a Debbie Downer on RCW. I just kind of hoped for better. And PWA was so much fun. RCW just doesn't feel fun. Like, uh, it's, it's not their best comparison but it's like looking at wcw and russo booking where there's interference in every match that's how that event felt for me it felt like a drag where there yeah was it's also interf- very it's very heel heavy and your favorites are gonna pretty much get screwed yeah the, which the, doesn't make it fun the the favorite one the main event and your woman's champion got her title back but yeah. Yeah, I still like left that show feeling like I'd been defeated. I left the PWA show feeling like, "Ah, uh, can you guys put on another show already?" <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree. We're we're sorry, RCW. No, it just wasn't it wasn't your night, I guess. Uh You guys have definitely put on some good shows before. <laughs> Not going to lie there. You guys yeah. Like that um, tag team main event from Reanimated, one of my favourite matches I've seen in Australian wrestling. The gods and monsters and world class egos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Highly, re- highly yeah. recommend going and checking out the um, the RCW re reawakening. Reanimated. Reanimated. My mistake. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. Oh, it's. Two or three shows ago, anyway. Like it won't be that hard to scroll back in their videos. Yeah, it that they've done some really good stuff. Um, I don't know. Maybe this was all just like the first step in some long-term storytelling. So it's a bit of a downer at first, but it'll build up into something good. Yeah. Nice. Well, I suppose speaking of long-term storytelling, we should um talk about what's coming up. Later for the humans. Yeah, so um, depending on how my work goes this week, we will either have out on Tuesday TNA Lockdown from 2009 or Fruity's Ultimate Game Show 
night pre. Yeah, very, very interesting stuff coming out in night three. Um, just a bit of a disclaimer, it was a rainy day that day and I couldn't escape the rain sounds in my audio, so many apologies for that. Also, like, I got so h- hyped up at some points that I, like, completely lost my breath. <laughs> We got that coming up. Uh, Some big surprises on that show. Couple Uh, of twists again. Yeah, yeah. So we've both got a guaranteed free agent pick each, but one twist each as well. So it's it's the last of our guaranteed free agent picks too. So next month we might not get a free agent. Fair enough. From there... We will be back Thursday with another weekly wrestling wrap, talking all the things that happened the past week on TV. And then next Saturday, depending on what drops Tuesday, it'll be the opposite show. So that'll either be TNA Lockdown or Fruity's Element Game Show Night Free. Again, just depending on my work schedule when we can record TNA. Yeah, and not only is it TNA Lockdown, it is the TNA Lockdown where they use the Smashing Pumpkins theme song, which is awesome. Which is uh, foreshadowing what would happen only less than a decade later. Yeah, they literally had Billy Corgan <laughs> in the six-sided ring to open the show with a video package. Fantastic. Um, And then... To close out that week, we will be back on the 25th for Fallout Down Under number 11, where we will be chatting WCW Saturday night, 1993, January the 30th. This is uh, another one of my picks, just to troll on Chris here. This is kind of a favour because it's like a 52-minute show. I don't think Chris has watched it yet. So... um some of the strangest, most bizarre stuff, like corny 90s at its best. Um, I, I couldn't recommend a show f- more for anyone than this particular show. It's outrageous. Fair enough. And we've also got our R block going on at the moment with um, the New Japan Cup of USA. And at the end of the year, one of us will get a... Fruity's Element Game Show prize out of that. Yeah, things not looking good for old Fruity. Uh, doesn't matter. With the semifinals and the finals, you do get additional points. Yeah, well, I decided to pick two two different results from you just to mix it up. I was like, it's either going to backfire or I'm going to look like a genius. It backfired. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, So with that being said, we will talk to you all next time, humans. Goodbye, everybody.